0: Hello and welcome to
1: Off The Beat and Track Podcast. I'm your host, I'm Stu Whiffin. It's another week, therefore, it's another episode. Today's episode, I sit down with Colin from 100 Reasons. That's right, 100 Reasons, they're back, and they're back with a new album, uh, a new tour, uh, and it's all discussed on today's episode. Before we get on with that episode, your standard podcast thank you. So a big, big shout-out to the Distraction Pieces Network and Mr. Scroobius Pip. This podcast is very proud to be part of that network. Uh, I'd also like to thank the team at the Blue Murder Club podcast. They produce this podcast. Um, if you like your true crime, uh, head over to, to Blue Murder Club, wherever you get your podcasts, and go check out that podcast. I realize I've just said podcast a lot then if this is your first time listening to off the beaten track welcome um that you've missed so much already i'm i'm of episode 470 something now so there's there's hundreds and hundreds of episodes all to be enjoyed and and i end up i feel like a name drop um on this episode which is really embarrassing um but colin talks about quite a few guests uh, c- quite a few tracks that I've had the artist on the podcast uh, and so uh, I can't help but sort of reference it and some of their songs and how good some of their songs are and uh, yeah so I will say that if your uh, you're, your fans have kind of uh, oh do you know what? I'm not going to say I'm going to let I'm going to let you listen to the podcast and uh, and then you'll know which guests uh, we're talking about because uh, I, I get a bit embarrassed, uh, as as I say, uh, I think the second one. Um, but what I will say before you get stuck into the podcast is I've had some in- incredible bands. And if you like your rock music, um, then you can hear me talking to the Foo Fighters. You can hear me talking to Wild, You can hear me talking to uh, Tommy Lee of Motley Crue. Um, and if you like your, your indie stuff, then you can hear me talking to the Kaiser Chiefs, the Killers, the Kooks, um Gosh, the vaccines. Uh and if you like your kind of early nineties kind of, you know, indie rock crossover, I've been so lucky to have chatted to bands like Cart the Unstoppable Sex Machine, uh The Wonder Stuff, Jesus Jones, EMF, um, and some some actors I've 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 been absolutely blessed to have spoken to the likes of Maxine Peake, uh Amanda Abington, Joe Hartley, Michael Smiley, Thomas turgoose. Um, and if you like your pop, go check out my, my Natters with Mel C at the Spice Girls. That's a lovely chat, that one. Um, and, yeah, also DJs like Sigala, uh, Fatboy Slim, producers like Butch Vig, he who produced Nirvana and Sonic Youth and Smashing Pumpkins. There's stacks of stuff. Like I say, there's, there's 470-odds. So go and have a, a good old sort of rummage through the archive when um, you finish listening to today's chat with with Colin Um, so this podcast um, you're listening to it obviously for free uh, all of them 470 episodes you can go and enjoy for free Um, but you can support the podcast and this is the bit that I guess everybody isn't interested in hearing because it's you know it's it's me going cap in hand but um, for a dollar a month uh, so that's 70p I think a dollar a month uh, on Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Uh, I put lots of content up there. So you can go there and you can watch all the podcasts. So if you want to see, see see my um, ugly mug chatting to some glorious people, you can go and watch them all over on Patreon. Um, I put up mixtapes um, and radio shows over there. Uh, and I do a monthly live show that you can come to, you can get involved, you can talk on, you can... You know, we we talk about, you know, certain questions from the podcast and, and we all bring our, our tracks to the table in a really non-judgy way and have a lovely, a lovely chat. It's a really, really wonderful thing. You can get as involved as you want. You don't even have to have your camera on. It's not done over Zoom. You don't have to have your camera on or your mic on. You can just, you can just watch um, or you can get as involved as you'd like. Uh, and so you can find out about that at patreon.com forward slash off the beat and track um there's a thing in the show notes which will link you to that and also in the show notes there's a thing called buy me a coffee um because coffee's lovely uh and it keeps me rolling uh so if you want to go over there you can just buy me a coffee and that's it you haven't got to sign up to anything you can just buy me a coffee um and that's all in the show notes um so any support like that i understand times are tough um so if you can't afford to support it that way that's fine totally understand um but what I'll ask then is, if you can subscribe or just leave a comment um, on on this episode um, or any further episodes that you listen to, and just if you see us on the socials because we're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, just give us a little like, a love, a share, a retweet, and or why not drop us a message and let us know what you what you thought of this podcast, and uh, and also if there's there's guests that you think you'd really like to hear me chat to, then uh, drop us a message and let me know. Right, okay, that's enough pre-show waffle from me. Now let's get on to some, some ace chat from today's guest. Please enjoy Off The Beat & Track podcast with the wonderful Colin Doran of 100 Reasons. It's Off The Beat & Track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network with me, With Whipping. Right, we are recording. Uh, I'm joined today by Colin from 100 Reasons. Hello. Hello, how are you? I'm all right. I'm all right, thank you. Um yeah. Not 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 too bad at all. Um, I mean there's so much to sort of talk about in regards to say what have you been up to, but I I I guess we might as well just jump straight straight into that before we get on to, to track one. Hundred Reasons, are back with a new record.
2: We are, yeah. Um we kept it secret for quite a while, um, because we didn't sort of really want to have anybody to have any sort of expectation. Um, but we started sort of talking about writing a new record when we were talking about doing the shows that we're doing um, at the end of february beginning of march and when they were talking about do you want to do the shows well we kind of said well kind of want to have a reason to do it rather than just you know play shows for the sake of playing shows so we ended up having this kind of writing session that went amazingly well and was really cool um and we're like okay well it looks like it's like we're going to do some shows then but and, and have some new material to play and materials, obviously, you know,
1: put out beforehand. So, yeah, it was, it was cool. Wonderful. So that that first kind of moment back in the, in, the, in the studio, I know you've done gigs and such, but to go back in the studio to write, like, how was that? It was easy. Um, <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> it, there's, no,
2: there's no pressure. You know, we've talked about it before, Larry and I, about how, you know, you can be a little bit sort of on the treadmill when, you're like right you've done one record right now you've got to do this 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 and this and get back in and write another one and then another one and so on and so on but with this because there was just no pressure it was really just to let's just go in and see what happens so it was just really easy and you know like i was saying no pressure no expectation if it was rubbish it was rubbish and fine okay that's cool but yeah. you know i think we're fortunate that
1: it was amazing Wonderful, wonderful. We'll, we'll pick back up on, on, on release dates and, 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 and tours and stuff. But let's get your playlist started. And I'm going to ask you for track one, Colin, to tell me the song that you regard as having the greatest ever intro, please.
2: Well, that's kind of a big ask, isn't it, really? It is a when very big uh, ask. Very, very big question. Um, but I think what I kind of went with was um, Cowboys from Hell from Pantera because I just love the guitars on that. I love the song anyway. I think it's an incredible song. Um, but just the riff at the beginning, you know, you know it's going to happen and you know yeah. it's going to go off. And it's got that right amount of tension yeah. where it kind of, the intro is long enough for you to be sitting going, come on. <laughs> and then when it does, you're like, oh, you know, that release. Yeah. When uh, when, uh, when it's there. Um, so, yeah, I just, um, I love I loved that record. I loved Vogel Display of Power. Um uh, you know, I think it's far beyond driven as well it was great yeah. and then I kind of, sort of went off Pantera not in a bad way I just kind of didn't really pay too much attention to him but Cowboys from Hell also has that kind of significance because that was kind of the days when I was out rocking every Friday and Saturday night you know um in the clubs and stuff and that would come on and it was great and it was just a, and it's one of those things that's just great sounding and great yeah. live and, and that kind of thing so yeah I loved Cowboys from Hell great
1: wonderful was what was what else was in the running for this was there any sort of honorable mentions uh, or did it's an
2: honorable mention of things like metallica for whom the bell tolls yeah um i don't even know if it really counts as a intro but i i love meshuggah and i think um bleed is kind of one of the best metal songs kind of ever written by human beings and so that kind of intro on that you know it all sort of comes in straight away at the same time and then it Kind of starts to go really weird afterwards. I love yeah. that; that's really cool. Um, yeah, there's there's quite a few, I suppose, when you think about it. You know, I love Alice in Chains and Faith No More and stuff like that. And mm. you know, um, we
1: we get yeah. on to Faith No More, I'm sure. Yeah, but I do want to reference. I don't even wouldn't even say it's the intro as such, but it's part of the intro. And uh, and and I had. Um, Jason Perry from the band Aeon, uh, yeah, who, Jason. who's, who's a, who's a good friend of mine. And, uh, and we were sharing our love of Faith No More, which we will discuss Faith No More, I'm sure, as this podcast unfolds. Yeah. But my... talk about Rush, he must have. Talked oh, of about course, Rush. he spoke about Rush. He surprised,
2: every song <laughs> wasn't Rush, and maybe something from Jane's Addiction. I bet that. Was he not.
1: definitely had Jane's, and uh, and yeah, and he obviously spoke about Rush relentlessly. I've never yeah. had a conversation with anybody about Jason Perry where the word Rush has not been in the next sentence. Yeah, I
2: don't want to. Yeah, I. I have some information about his brother that I would not say publicly. I hope. He's, are you
1: talking the Russia story now? Because that's the, that's the next uh, the next thing that always gets brought up when Adam gets mentioned.
2: They just yeah they just the pair of them are just <laughs> they, yeah, they live rush. It's it's, it's, a, it's actually a beautiful thing. In fairness, um, I, I I commend them for it. But yeah,
1: <laughs> wonderful. Um, but it was the thing that we we spoke about as far as intros. Is at the beginning. Uh, from out of nowhere. Yeah, like, obviously straight in with but, but before that synth line comes in, it's that double snare that just goes bap, bap, and then it just goes yeah. it's that double snare that's just like oh as far as rock intros go, I'm putting everything yeah. on that little double snare just before May
2: songs. It's like if you um whenever I sort of listen to Deftones, the drummer has this kind of Oh that snare like my own summer. Like shove it, it's <sighs> got I mean that's another great intro right but he does that he does that feel in quite a a few songs but in a really good way it's just that little real so good and it's like all right every time it sounds incredible as well absolutely Um,
1: Absolutely, yeah. I was lucky to have have him on the podcast, and uh, and he refused to, uh, to 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 talk about uh, his his own records as intros. I was like, mate, you've got too many. You've got to talk about the Deftones for intros. He's like, yeah. I can't, man. It's weird. But, uh, <laughs> <clears throat> <clears throat> well, I want to talk about sort of movements in music, and 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 I want to talk about songwriting and, and, and intros. And when Hundred Reasons first come through the way that people would get their music would probably be in a more traditional sense and was probably how I would go and get my music, by buying a CD, buying a vinyl. Yeah. And and there wasn't huge amounts of streaming sites. Um, and now, obviously... Not legal, anyway. Not exactly, legal. exactly. <laughs> uh, and now, obviously, the, the world is awash with with that. And and also, you know, we're, we're seeing bands u- utilising things like um, TikTok... Um, which which is alien to somebody that's forty nine, but I know that my children get get you know, I'll play something in the car and they'll sing along and I'm like, How the hell do you know this? And they're like, Oh, it's on TikTok and 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 I just wonder because one of the other things with Spotify and, and, and that kind of desire to, to get on Spotify playlists like maybe twenty to, you know, ten, twenty years ago it was about getting on radio playlists. Yeah. yeah. But what I'm seeing now is is that the attention span of the younger people seems to be, I'm generalising, seems to be getting somewhat shorter because everything's so quick and, and so fast. Does any of them sort of changes in, you know, trends in how people are getting their music and how quickly you've got to grab them now? Because streaming sites means that you're awash with music and does any of that i'm going right the around the azies with this question colin does any of these kind of changes filter through into your creative process no <laughs> next <laughs> question
2: elaborate, let's don't go it added
1: some drama i like it
2: i know right um so yeah no it doesn't and and the thing is um you know, when you look at bands like Mogwai and even, sort of like I say, talking about bands like Deftones and stuff, there's an audience there that is, you know, understanding of, you know, streaming services, but that's not necessarily, you know, who they are. You know, for me personally, I'll still buy albums for bands I absolutely love, but I'm probably not going to play it too often on a CD player if at all I'm still going to stream it. but what I'm going to do is I'm still going to buy it because I want to support the artist and I understand they don't get paid hardly anything from it. Yeah. Um, But, you know... I, I get where you're coming from and I think maybe it's maybe more to do with things like modern pop where it's a little bit sort of written by committee
1: Yeah.
2: because, and, and this is the same thing as well, right? You can put it streaming into things like Netflix and Amazon prime and stuff. You know, if you're not gripped by a show in five minutes, you're going to put someone else on. Absolutely. So there is a little bit of that. And, and also as well, you know, you see stats out there like hundred thousand tracks have been released on Spotify every day. And so like, well, that's fine. But how many of those people are actually sort of trying to, push their way through the hundred thousand to, yeah. to be recognized and then breaking all into genres and all of that kind of thing as well so you know i think it's necessary but you know because you need to be on those platforms that's you know it's a discovery platform it's there but i think sort of in terms of creativity there's it's never influenced me because that's just not who i am and I, i'm one of those people that says well i'm going to write what i want to write yeah and, the other guys in the band are the same we all love we love the new music that we've written i mean like it's beyond unreal how much we love this new material yeah and we're all just like super you know and some of the tracks are like four minutes which is actually quite long for some songs some you know like even glorious sunset actually has quite a long intro and then like an outro and things like that and so for us i think what we do is we write the songs that we want to write and that we're happy with and you know hope that our audience is kind of along for the ride with it yeah. and Yeah. So I get it. I get in some genres, I think that's the case, but I would like to think that in terms of other genres, you know, like rock and things like that, that people are accepting it just for what it is. And they're always going to give it that little bit of extra time. Um, I think my thing with sort of creativity and the amount of sort of songs out there is that, you know, unless you do have a bit of promo or somebody fighting your corner a little bit, it's very difficult to, to sort of, you know, be found. Yeah. Um, that's Absolutely. probably the only real thing but i certainly wouldn't i wouldn't compromise on anything that i'd written everything i put out i need to you know if i'm going to be playing shows and, and that kind of thing i need to be behind it yeah and if there's any kind of compromise along the way you know and i don't you know when we're writing is when you could argue that we're kind of coming to agreement on what we feel is the best structure and the best melodies and everything yeah. else to go with the song but in terms of output that's you know we're not thinking about we're not thinking about anything like that
1: yeah
2: when we don't okay
1: tell me about the first song you remember hearing that had an emotional impact on you, please.
2: Okay. So that was a hard take
1: on me. What a record.
2: It's probably one of the best songs ever made. Yeah. In my opinion. I love that song. And it's quite funny actually, because I love my video games and I was playing the last of us two the other night. And it's actually in the last of us. She kind of picks up a guitar in some hidden area and starts playing take on me. And I was like, all right. Um, (laughs) And also a friend of mine called Alice Pisano, who's really cool. You should check her out. She kind of did a pretty good cover a few years back as well um, and kind of put her own take on it. Um, But I just loved that song. I loved the intro. I loved kind of the weird offbeat of it Mm. um, in terms of the way that the the drums kind of worked. The synths are amazing. The vocals are amazing. Structure is awesome. And it just flowed really, really well. And I think when I was sort of at that age, you know i'd heard music obviously but maybe not something that's all really sort of connected with me in that sort of way and it's definitely to sort of to do the melodies and then also the video that went with it which was amazing and it's kind of like an animated thing where morton harkett kind of goes into the picture i think or the other way around the girl goes into the picture i think she's like a cartoon isn't he i haven't seen it for a while um but it's just brilliant so the whole thing was just awesome um so, yeah, that was kind of the time when, you know, vocals and melodies really kind of, sort of made me sort of feel something. And that was probably an age thing as well, because when I was listening to music sort of beforehand, I was kind of listening to it and appreciating it, but not really necessarily connecting with it, because yeah. I just wasn't sort of old enough, I suppose, to really sort of connect with it. Whereas when that came out, I was like, yeah, this is, this is amazing.
1: It's, it's, it's perfect. It's-
0: Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live.
1: Perfect pop record, and yes. and I had Mags on the podcast from our heart a, a couple of <laughs> months <up>. ago. <laughs> and and it, all it was again, I'm, I'm sorry, I don't mean to keep referencing Deftones and and, uh, and and our heart, but um, the, the the excitement in 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 meeting a member of our heart as a 49 year old man was ridiculous. Um, but we spoke about intro yeah. and that intro. You just presume is no. It's the bit before it. It and takes then that... ages. The vocal yeah. doesn't come in for nearly a minute. No, I know. And like
2: that's crazy. No, no,
1: no, no, no. That is kind of like the drop. Almost. Yes. Yeah. You know, I mean, oh, here we
2: go. Yes.
1: Yeah. yeah. And uh, and and everything about that track, and and obviously it probably didn't do the sales any harm. The fact that Morton Harkett was probably the most beautiful man walking the planet at that point with just yeah. a ridiculous voice. And yeah. Oh, it's a, it's a perfect pop record that it um, is,
2: it's, it's stupid. Good. And it's, it's, it's easily like in one of my, you know, my top five songs of all time. It's yeah.
1: so good. If you had to shut your eyes and put yourself back there and had to pinpoint the emotion that you got, what would it have been? Probably actually like excitement, because you know even like the sort of the songwriting
2: behind it is just it's just a, you know I hadn't really like discovered rock at that point. I think I was like ten or eleven when it came out or something. So for me, all you were listening to was kind of what was on the radio and what sure. was on the TV. So there was no other real sort of avenues unless it was kind of shoved in your face by those channels. Yeah. So for me, like that's it was like the whole It was exciting, yeah, really exciting. Um, and. It was yeah, it was just awesome. And then there's other songs that are probably from before that era that kind of struck like um I'm terrible with song names, but you know, Depeche mode, I never wanted Enjoy the Silence. Yeah. Yeah. Stupid good. But yeah. I probably didn't really sort of hear that too much at the time. Mm. Um, but just when that came in, it was just exciting. Yeah. And the odd beats and stuff where it used to break down. It was just genius to
1: yeah. me. And I was like, Oh,
2: this is what music can really be. Wow.
1: Yeah, you know wonderful um where would you have been then where where was growing up colin um i kind of moved about a little bit i lived in germany for a while
2: until i was like i think i was like nine or ten or something so you had even sort of less exposure because you had like one english channel yeah. which did not really have top of the pops but other than that that was kind of pretty much it and that the the british because my dad was in the army it's like the british forces channel it was kind of like a culmination of things like bbc and itv and and that kind of thing so and then you sort of moved to moved to england when i was maybe about like i think 10 or 11 i think it was like 1980 maybe 1984 or something like that you know and i was you know you'd distance you'd heard our heart. and then obviously around that time as well you know you had um a little bit later on our living daylights which they did as well which was also really cool but you know when i was around that time yeah you weren't always kind of listening to music because you know a lot of the time a lot of people are influenced by what their parents are listening to yeah no and some of it was cool you know don't get me wrong my mum and dad bought michael jackson thriller and it was brilliant but i was like 10 so when i heard Thriller, i was scared
1: yeah absolutely i
2: remember watching the video for it which they showed and then remember literally being that age and you know and i love horror films by the way but i literally at the time hid behind the sofa (laughs) because it was that scary so that kind of you know, appreciation for some of those things didn't happen till later in life. So there's a kind of connection with that song and, you know, our heart take on me in terms of how it's just like connected with me sort of at the right time. Cause it was just brilliant yeah. and there was nothing else kind of associated with it. It was just like, I've heard this track and it's awesome. No one's telling me to like it. You know, like you say, when you're in a musical house and your mum's playing Rolling Stones or something like that, you know, it's on, but you're not necessarily really connecting with it because yeah. it's, it's not being forced on you in that way, but you know what I mean? It's just like, you know, you listen to something, you go, wow, that's awesome. And you, you do, or you don't. So but, yeah.
1: But there's something nice to find when you find something that's yours, that's not your parents. And, and, and that's the beauty of things. like that. I mean, when you find oh, like them, them early sort of pop records when you're young and, and they're your own. And it's that, yeah. I think that makes them so much more special.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And that track also has a really good sense of urgency, um, which again is really good about it. And, yeah there's just nothing wrong with that song in any shape or form yeah. and i will hire someone to fight anybody that says otherwise because i'm not a father.
1: absolutely <laughs> but th- do you know what you're right though and you, and you talked about that the, the-, the half time like you know when the drums go half time it thunders along and then when oh. you do get that chorus and he and he goes to the i'll be there i'm not even going to attempt to kind of reach those notes um when and the drums go half time, it yeah. just lets it breathe and it soars at that point as well and then straight back in with the foot on the gas it's again.
2: It's a good songwriting for its time. Yeah,
1: absolutely.
2: In that genre as well. You could argue other bands have potentially done it, but in that pop world that they were in... It was, yeah, it was really, really inventive to me, you know, with my limited awareness at the time as well anyway.
1: Oh, I'm, I'm, I totally agree. And to follow that with The Sun Away Shines on TV, which is an equally fantastic pop record, a huge sounding record. Uh, glorious, glorious. Tell me the song that reminds you of your time at school, please, Colin.
2: It will be Naina Cherry, Buffalo's Dance.
1: Was there a cooler woman on the planet at that point?
2: No. And, yeah, and obviously Madonna was around at the time, but mm. Nana Cherry was just so cool. Um, and that album, I think, I don't remember all of the album these days, but, you know, she did some amazing stuff. Um, I actually, it was quite funny, actually, because she's got her brother's, like, eagle Eye cherry, and he did that, um am saved tonight. That's, and right. yeah. That's an amazing song as well, yeah. um, but obviously a little bit later. Um, but Buffalo Stance was just really good, and it was kind of, like, really, I think, sort of of its time, And the rap bit in it hasn't aged well. And I don't know if the song's necessarily aged well, but everybody at school was kind of, you know, all listening to, that was probably when hip hop was sort of becoming a bit of a a real thing in the mainstream, you know, and LL Cool J Public Enemy and NWA were kind of all doing the rounds amongst, you know, some of the kids, but obviously not everyone's going to be listening to that. But Buffalo's Dance was kind of on the radar all the time, you know, Bobby Brown as well around that time. But I just loved that track. Um and everyone at school loved that track. You know, everyone was, you know, yeah. Absolutely.
1: And so hip hop. She's I I think it's a fantastic record, Buffalo stance. And and that whole record, Roll Light like Sushi, was just you couldn't move for it when it came out and it was yeah. and it sounds very, very British as well. You know, for for everything that was happening in hip hop, it sounds very homegrown. And yeah. and I, I think aside from Eagle Eye Cherry, I believe her dad was don cherry wasn't he he was a super famous like jazz musician i believe oh, i didn't know that i think you yes, see educating me now and,
2: um uh... but, no, and i think um isn't um oh her daughter's do- was her daughter doing something mabel her daughters yeah that was really what i was trying to think of because obviously she's not called mabel cherry but yeah mabel Yeah, yeah. so she was she was doing all right for a bit
1: and i watched a documentary about the slits and uh, and uh, ridiculous to, to to find out that I think at fifteen Naina Cherry kind of just got in with them and and, and went on tour and was hanging out with the Slits and uh, oh. as, as just this kind of young tearaway and 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 so I think the the writing was on the wall that that, that she was going to have you know success in music because you know you you yeah. can't be surrounded by that amount of people that you know, have got that much influence that it's not going to rub off on you and yeah that that record I remember like you touched on Top of the Pops a moment ago and seeing when she done Manchild, like pregnant on Top of the Pops and it was like furore in the newspapers that this, you know, this woman dare go on Top of the Pops with like a pregnant belly and it was like, it's fantastic.
2: Yeah. No, it is. I mean, I, well, yeah, I mean, it's just, yeah, it's all a bit wrong, isn't it? When you think about those kinds of opinions anyway, but um you know in fairness you know I probably didn't pay it no mind back in the day and I wouldn't pay it, any mind now either but Absolutely. um I I was a great track um yeah. that, record, that record was just brilliant um so yeah it's just what everybody was sort of listening to at the time and you know I wasn't really into things like Bross but lots of other you know lot there were two girls at school that were like Brossettes and because of the town I live in which is Farnborough which is Camberley is very close by where they used to live so you'd be talking to these you, two what are you doing tonight we'd just go and hang outside their house <laughs> for four hours (laughs) (laughs) and then then that kind of gives a little inkling into the behaviour of um, certain sectors of society (laughs) towards pop-up
1: it's
2: quite funny Um, you definitely begin to sort of understand the one direction thing and the the fans sort of surrounding that but um, that was quite funny and then friends would have like the Grolsch bottle tops on their shoes and all that kind of thing
1: and um, you was way more behaved, weren't you, going sort of rifling through Nana Cherry's dustbins, trying to sort of uh, find out what she was up to. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No um, right outside, nothing to see. Um, but no, it was, yeah, it was just great music, you know. And I, I think, you know, depending on sort of your opinions and stuff on sort of pop now versus pop then, a lot of it was a lot more sort of independent. And I think, you know, there was less emphasis, I think, on sexualizing you know um, men and women at the time it was just more about just great performances and stuff and there's people you could argue these days that should be getting exposure but they don't um because of you know the way they look or whatever Um, but back then it was just all about the songs because people were you know you made a video but in the uk at least mtv wasn't really a thing until right till like the early 90s yeah so everything was radio pretty much apart from top of the pops and a few maybe something else. Maybe some stuff on channel four, like Grey Whistle Test or something, but um yeah. generally it was all audio, so it didn't matter as much. But now it's just become for some people, not everybody, um, a much more sort of visual thing. Absolutely. Which is always the right thing. Did you enjoy school? Hi then? Did you enjoy school? Not really. Um no. I mean there's people there that were okay and there were people there that were dicks. Um i think sort of, from my perspective i kind of didn't really fit in with the cool people but i wasn't really trying to either just mm. trying to get on with it and get through it really um i wasn't overly interested in school because i didn't feel that half the time i was being taught things that were valid and you could argue that that's the case in today's current education system where you know i saw that simon Pegg um video when he was talking about rishi sunak now no one's going to say maths isn't important but it shouldn't be at the expense of the creative arts, you know. The one thing I really wanted to happen, right? Here's the thing: I don't get political too often, but when we were all in COVID, and friends of mine that were in the touring world were struggling really hard and not getting any help, and they were basically saying, you know, reskill and all that kind of thing. I wish everybody in the creative industries then stopped working for the Tory Party. Yeah. So then they wouldn't have the party political, you know, political broadcasts made and edited. And things like that, or uh, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just sit down and think, you know, obviously that's not the case because I saw one with Rishi Sunak the other day. Um, but I just sat and I thought, I wish everybody, you know, and then anybody that's sort of creative and the arts doing the ballet, you know, oh, uh, Tory MPs coming to the show tonight, get them off the guest list, don't let them in, yeah, you know, totally. obviously that wasn't going to happen, It'd never going to happen, but nice I, just though, out, wouldn't it? You
1: know,
2: I think so, yeah. And I'm not the most political person, but there's a Clear line sometimes when people are doing the wrong thing, and if we don't have music, if we don't have the arts, and we don't have those things, then what are we as a species?
1: Yeah.
2: Just getting a little bit deep, I know. So I do apologise, Stu. No, but, not um, at
1: all. I'm, 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 I'm on that page one hundred and ten percent. Yeah. Um, yeah. There we go. Did you know? Did you know what you wanted to be when you was at school?
2: I think I dabbled with the idea of potentially becoming a journalist, but don't think I really kind of wanted to be one I think when I discovered like my enjoyment of music I knew I kind of wanted to make music I didn't know how I was going to do it by the way kind of ended up joining like a band kind of just after school which wasn't very good at all in any shape or form um, and then sort of ended up sort of moving through that so to speak and I had jobs and stuff and jobs that I liked and jobs that I didn't like but I think at the crux of it was always kind of wanting to wanting to make music and play music, and yeah. I was always there. So there would always be interests and in hobbies and things and stuff that I maybe thought, well, this would be cool to do, or that's cool to do, but ultimately I just wanted to make music and play it, Yeah. Um, and I was pretty driven to do that. And, you know, I say this to anybody that's kind of in a band that's up and coming, and anybody that's just kind of trying to be to do anything, right, if, even if you want to be a doctor, it's not treated the same way, obviously, but if you want to be a doctor, you've got to be selfish because you've got to get good at what you do in order to be able to do it. And that involves kind of personal sacrifice and relationships don't always come first, you know, and things like that. Um, so that was kind of me at that time. I was just fully committed to to wanting to do that um, for quite a while. And yeah, lucky for me, I got the chance to do it. And then you kind of have your life because you're career building when you're doing that, as of far course. as I'm concerned, that doesn't matter what you're doing. Um, so it was good when it happened um, because, you know, you get to do other things. But up to that point, when I was trying to sort of build those foundations, I was, you know, in rehearsals like three times a week, playing shows on the other days or instead of rehearsal you know, whatever. It was just all about like get on with it and make make music and, and do the best you can.
1: I'm gonna pick back up on that in a moment, but beforehand, I'm gonna ask you if you can tell me the first song you were buying from a record shop, please. So I was very young, I was probably about six,
2: and yes I was with my parents in Germany and I bought um Adam and the Ants, Prince Charming, the album, which I still have um on vinyl um and that's not to make me a vinyl collector I just still have it um was just a great record just loved all the music at the time you know again I wouldn't say like you know it struck chords with me emotionally but it was very different to anything else that my parents were listening to you know and again it's not even to put a slight on my parents musical taste because they listened to some damn good stuff but you know, I did maybe sort of didn't realise until a little bit later, but Adam and the Ants, Prince Charming, just the the sort of the tribalism of, of the rhythms in that band was just, again, very different to sort of what anyone else was kind of doing at the time. And I think just when I had a little bit of pocket money or something, I we went to the record shop and, you know, I was listening to, you know, the track Prince Charming, Stand and Deliver and stuff like that. And so I was in there and, you know, I was going to buy a record and that's what I chose. And I went home and listened to it you know and it was cool um so yeah i don't remember too much of the experience i remember being in the car on the way home and sort of looking at the liner notes and stuff and things like that which i think is a missing thing these days i think from oh, going back to so easy. It's something, so really nice about, yeah. something really nice about sort of sitting on the bus on the way home or whatever just looking at the artwork and looking at the lyrics and stuff and getting excited about putting you know, putting the either vinyl or CD in the tray and then, you know, having it come out, you yeah. know, there um, was something really cool about that. And I think, you know, I think sort of digressing a little bit again, going into that world of sort of CDs and vinyl, there's a, a kind of a a thing. It's like, this is what I'm doing. You know, if I'm going to put a CD on, I put vinyl on, it's like, this is what I'm doing right now rather than it be, I've got Spotify, I'm just going to put some music on. It's yeah.
1: like, I listen to this record. It's tangible. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Nice thing. So a nice thing. So, yeah,
1: Adam and the Ants. Uh, it's And I mean, one of the things, you know, when I, I look back to being a young lad in, in, in the early 80s, and the not just the music of Adam and, but just how he looked was just incredible. Adam Branding, the uh, whole branding and the, the whole image, the whole thing. A dandy highwayman. Like, what a look. And it was <laughs> like... I wanted that white stripe over my nose. I just thought I want to be Adam Ant, and he just looked so cool. And have you have you seen Adam Ant live? I haven't know, but a friend of mine saw him just literally a couple of years ago. Says so some one of the best things he's ever seen. I saw I saw him literally about well, last summer, and, uh, and, and he was too. phenomenal. Yeah. Like two drummers, it still sounded tribal as fuck. It was so good and oh, yeah. his voice was great and yeah it was it was fantastic absolutely fantastic i'd definitely recommend an adam Ant gig if you get a chance um, oh, yeah. you was talking earlier about drive uh and you know and sacrifice I- 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 into you know pursuing uh a career and, and 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 you you know you you've chosen a career in in music which is famously cutthroat and hard and tough and and you know there's so many people that would, you know, love to, 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 you know, to sort of get get out of that for, for want of a, a, a grotty description, that toilet circuit and get out there and, and you know, more people hear their, their, their music and stuff. Drive's important, but but tell me about... Because you've got to walk out on that stage and you've got to walk to the front and then you've got to get that microphone and, and then, you know... Tell me about your relationship with confidence.
2: I'll be honest with you. When I was playing my first shows, I used to... Um have shares in this thing called um this stuff if you will called pepto-bismol which um calms your stomach when you're feeling physically (laughs) sick. and I used to get big nerves and I would be outside the venue before we played and then afterwards dry vomiting really um and I was the age of sort 16 or 17 I think you know and just that kind of thing but the more shows you played the more you realize that you know what it's not actually that bad yeah, um, and you get to the point. Obviously, if you're planning to a show where everybody's there to see you, um, I'm, I'm not. I'm, I still have the right amount of nerves because I think it's really important that everybody should have some nerves before they go on stage because, you know. But that doesn't mean you have to show that. You go on hopefully with confidence, and then your your nerves dissipate and go away after like the first song, or even like halfway through the first yeah. song when the crowd kicks off and you know reacts to what you're doing which is awesome but I used to have really bad not stage fright because I never sort of thought I can't go on stage I just had these nerves beforehand yeah. that were uncontrollable and I suppose I didn't really know how to manage it um <laughs> and after a while I kind of just did and I, I I say this to some people that I've known that have been younger that you kind of speak to and I've just and, and it's just doing it more and more gets you better yeah. at it um and i think the thing for me is that you know whenever you're kind of when i saw a lot of bands on the local music scene a lot of them were just trying to be cool um and they i say this to lots of people about the music industry or making music lots of people like the idea of it but they don't necessarily understand and embrace the reality of it whereas we did where it was like you know you've got to rehearse three four you've got to treat like a second job Right. And the idea is that you'll transition to this job and do it full time, which we luckily managed to do, but not everybody did that. Um, you know, so a lot of people are, you know, drummers not turned up to rehearsal again or whatever. Well, they're just too busy posing on stage, trying to look cool without actually writing any songs that are actually really good
1: yeah.
2: or having that honesty with themselves to go, no, scrap, that's crap. You know, and, and we always kind of had that. And, you know, when you're first, writing songs you're kind of really just hopefully writing enough songs to go well i've got 10 songs now we can play a set yeah keep writing and then the stuff that's not so good gets put by the wayside, and the new stuff that's better sort of replaces that and then you expand on that because you're writing even more so it's it was kind of i think you know as roy castle i think might say you know having that sort of dedication but also having that honesty with yourself to know that if a show wasn't great it's not great you know i i never drink alcohol before I play a show ever um and it goes back to being like 21 years old and being a little bit drunk and going on stage and it and just being rubbish you know before anyone even really knew who my band was or whatever it just wasn't very good and I knew that and I thought no I'm just not going to do that anymore you know I don't need to um so you know you just learn and you do those things but you always kind of you know constant reflection I think and evaluation of what you're doing is important um if you're attempting to do something seriously because if you're not learning by the things that aren't great and from that and improving on it then you probably will just stay on the toilet circuit but then there's also the fact that you've kind of got to be writing and playing the right music at that time yeah because people sort of talk about luck being a, a massive part of it and it is because it's about right place right time right music You know all that kind of thing because there's plenty of bands that are amazing and arguably should have done a lot better but it could just you know it can literally just sometimes be a timing thing or the genre is either you know not evolved enough or the audience hasn't evolved enough to accept you or they've you know or there's been too much of it so even though you're brilliant people have kind of moving on to something else there's so many things about that you know it's almost like that you know i'm going to make this analogy up right now and it's when you look at scientists and they want to like you know shoot out a satellite and meet a comet and take a sample from a comet you get any of that wrong any of that wrong by a microsecond or whatever and the mission's off and it hasn't worked so you've got to not have that level of accuracy yeah, i would imagine yeah, yeah. but but the analogy works for me just based on having everything lined up correctly and then there's an element of luck involved as well
1: Let's go clubbing. <laughs> what was the song? What, that what was the song? It you, was, you years clubbing.
2: And where was clubbing? I mean, clubbing, the, was, clubbing for me was um, a couple of things. I used to go to the Argent Court in Camberley on a Friday and Saturday night with uh, Ken on a Friday night and Brad on a Saturday. I think Brad's still doing it on a Saturday night as well, guys. Just so you know, um, he's got to be about one hundred and four now. I don't know. <laughs> um but yeah Brad used to do his kind of Saturday night which is a bit more of an indie rock night and then you had Ken they would do like the rock and metal the night before used to go to this place called The Loft at a club called Bojangles which is well and truly closed down um and that was really cool I used to have like rock downstairs and then hardcore punk and stuff upstairs which is really good and then on a Friday night if I wasn't going to the Agincourt we would go to the Astoria um and hang out there until four in the morning and stuff and then steal milk off of people's doorsteps for a drink on the way home um I'm not saying where obviously because you know the law might still try and get me for it um but that was you know those were fun times those are really good and the thing for me sort of that court, particularly with Ken it was you know the track was sort of as the worm turns by face no more but the live version that was on live at Brixton which was on a 12 inch that they had at the time and my friend Steve had it and we used to bring it to the club for the DJ to put on. So then just me and about three other people could dance to it. Loved it. So was that did
1: Chuck sing that?
2: He did originally. So there's a record that they did called We Care A Lot. Yeah. Which has
1: been Introduce
2: Yourself. Yeah. one Turns was on it. Um, but then Mike Patton did a live version of it. Which is on the, if you've got the DVD or watch on YouTube, you know, Lava Brixton, as the worm turns. Yeah. Uh, it was incredible. So we used to dance to that. And I then think... there is actually, there's a version that Mike Patton sang in the studio. So there is a studio version it's of Mike Patton. It's on the bonus of Angel yeah Dust, yeah. isn't it? Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. song or something. And um, so it's on that. But it was me and my mate, Steve Gibbs. Right, Steve, hope your foot's all right because you heard it recently. Um, and um, we used to just dance to "As the Worm Turns." It was brilliant fun. Oh, what a record
1: as well! And and that live at Brixton—I mean, that 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 was phenomenal. Um, and I think, I, I, I t- it, 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 the the amount of times that that Faith No More people have chosen Faith No More records on this for for multiple different questions, it it yeah. just and and I just think what. Well, I don't think they get the credit they deserve. I know, like, you know, your metalheads will always cite, you know, Faith No More for being, you know, that pivotal in that kind of crossover scene. And I just think that when you sort of read your your more mainstream music press and and, and things like that, I just think Faith No More get overlooked. And I think those, not even just the early albums, just their albums are just fantastic. And I think Patton's voice, ridiculous. Absolutely yeah, ridiculous. I mean,
2: exactly, and you know he's incredible. You know he probably knows he is, and I don't even mean it in a bad way because yeah. why wouldn't you? You're that amazing. um I think it was you know with Faith No More. I got into Faith No More probably with Angel Dust. I went to see a friend of mine years ago and hang out, and his mate was in the car, and we were sort of just driving around, you know, as you do in your mate's car. And Angel Dust had just come out, and they were just playing that over and over and over, and I saw Faith No More at Wembley Stadium with Guns N' Roses and Soundgarden, which was amazing. And Andy Buzal drummer was there as well, which I found out but didn't know him at the time. Um, and I really liked them. Uh, but Angel Dust was just, to me, like, if you got into Faith No More through the real thing, you'd probably prefer that. But I got through Angel Dust and it was such a crazy mix of styles and, again, pattern just being amazingly weird but amazing. Um, and that, for me, was, you know, that live album as in watching the video taught me a lot and angel Dust taught me a lot because it kind of just told me to just you know what just get on stage write what you want to write and don't care what anyone no else thinks and yeah. you know what if you do that there's a good chance you'll be all right
1: absolutely absolutely gonna take you home favorite <laughs> song from an artist from your home county see i had to do some research for this Okay. Does everyone else do the same thing? No, action. no, I'm, I'm impressed you've, you've done some, some some research because most people go, county? Oh, I thought it said country. Uh, and so we, oh. I've, I've had that a lot. But uh, uh, well, uh, um, so what did you have to play with? What, what, what have you gone for for home county as well?
2: So here's the thing, right? Where I live, I, I'm using artistic license here, Steve, right? So I live literally on the border of Surrey and Berkshire okay. and Hampshire. Right. I, you know, if I drive two minutes in any one direction, I can be in any one of those counties. Okay. Technically at the moment, I'm in Hampshire.
1: Right.
2: But I have lived in Surrey. Right, So I'm going for Surrey because it just seemed to have a little bit more choice. And I'm going with um Peter Gabriel and Sledgehammer. Wonderful. It's Peter Gabriel, apparently, according to my search of artists, <laughs> music artists in Surrey, threw up Peter Gabriel. So... Um, I'm going with him because he's just amazing. Absolutely incredible. Um, stupid good singer. Um, and that track at the time, again, sort of that sort of mid-80s, the video was so crazy and out there. Um, like a real sort of MTV video is yeah, what it was. massively. Um, and it was just brilliant. So, yeah, I went for Peter Gabriel. I couldn't find too much in Hampshire that kind of took me in. And I looked at Berkshire and there's things like Cooper Temple Claws, which I like yeah um pretty sure we played a few shows with those guys it was really good um there's a few other bands that are from around the area but um for me just thought oh sorry yeah peter gabriel
1: that's the one do you know what as far as intros go like i know you've got that little kind of like like little kind of noise before sledgehammer drops yeah but oh my god like when them horns come. that's that's a coat cool of arms, that record, isn't it? Oh, um, the, the production on that song is so good,
2: yeah, it really just everything on it just sounds incredible. And you know, again, whoever's done the mixing and mastering, I I genuinely don't know, sorry, but um, just everything comes together to just make just an incredible sounding song, it's unbelievable. Yeah. Um, and it's a, you know, you've got a great song that's well produced well mixed well mastered yeah you just can't go wrong with it and you, brilliant
1: and you touched on his voice as well like peter gabriel's voice is ridiculous isn't it it's so good and you know, and, and i think that that album i mean obviously for you know i'm sure there's there's genesis fans screaming at me going "Why? hang on a minute what about all the stuff he done in genesis but um that that record so was obviously it, it, it had games about frontiers and stuff like that previously but when that album so dropped, it was it was so as you say, it was that that MTV generation of, you know, and that video just dwarfed everything. And that track and and I'm trying to think the other tracks on that record, like don't give up the duet with Kate Bush was a beautiful record. Uh yeah. that there's a track on that album called Red Rain, which is phenomenal. Um and, and covered brilliantly by REM as well, which is a which is a recommendation. But yeah, Sledgehammer, I think it's as, as as close to perfect as you can get.
2: I mean, the thing for me as well, is, you know, I would never sort of disrespect Genesis anyway. They're a great band, but they weren't really something that I grew up with or was massively aware of when I was like 11 years old and hearing that track for the first time, you know, and yeah, I listened to a bit of Phil Collins and stuff and he's amazing. Again, another stupid good singer um, and... I wouldn't even, I don't like the idea of calling things like that a guilty pleasure because Phil Collins was just brilliant, you know. Um, but that Peter Gabriel track just, yeah, every time it comes in, you know, it's it's just incredible. Absolutely.
1: Okay, right. So, uh, you get to be uh, a tastemaker now, Colin. And for the last track, I'm going to ask you to uh, tell the listeners of this podcast a track um, that you love that you think they will not know.
2: So I love this band who did actually have an album out, I think in the last year or the year before, because we all know how years at our age kind of mould into one. Um, And it's this band called Hum, um, H-U-M. And um, they've got this um, album called um, You'd Prefer an Astronaut, which is actually kind of like a lyric in this song. And it's like, I'd like your hair long and you'd prefer an astronaut. You know, it's quite cool. Um, But in terms of sort of, the way everything sort of comes together in this song, it's just incredible. And then the drumming at the end with the riff and the way that the main riff of the track just drives along um, is amazing. And yeah, so the album's called You Prefer an Astronaut and the song is called I'd Like Your Hair Long. And it's just incredible. Um, Yeah, it switches up sort of time signatures a little bit here and there in terms of going 4-4 to 3-4. And then it just has this amazing kind of drop at the end into this really cool bit. I think in terms of production and vocals, it all, you know, you could arguably go, yeah, it could be better, but it all just works together really, really well. Um, And this band, they also had another record that I loved called Downwards is Heavenwards, and it's just incredible. So um, yeah, check out that hum. I'd like your hair long, it's brilliant.
1: Well, we make it easy for people to to check it out, Colin, because we put together a, a Spotify playlist to accompany the what podcast <laughs> uh, with with all your picks, uh, and we'll uh, we'll obviously put uh, some hundred reasons on that that playlist as well, because uh, there's there's new music from Hundred Reasons, um, and so if I remember rightly from what I saw this morning, there's three new tracks out at the moment. Am I right? Four. What, four. There's four available. Four. Right. That's right. Okay. And then the album drops when.
2: February the twenty fourth.
1: Wonderful. Going to do some gigs. There's a big yeah.
2: We've got our shows in February and March. So I think we start off in Leeds. I think on the twenty third, and then I think we go to Glasgow for the twenty fourth. And I think it's Manchester for the twenty fifth. And then we've got a little bit of a week off because that's how we roll. And then we're going to do. I think uh, we do Bristol the following week, which I think is like either the and that's the 2nd of March. And then I've not got this in front of me, so I'm going purely from memory. And I think the third we're in Birmingham and then the fourth is Hammersmith Apollo because Brixton's closed. So we've had to move over to there. So we're quite oh, lucky to course. be on Hammersmith Yeah. Apollo. Yeah. yeah. The sad events that took place there. So um, we're all still on. Um, all tickets apparently for Brixton, if you've got that, whether you swapped it from wherever. So your ticket still works, still valid to get into Hammersmith. Um, so we're just excited. And we've done a couple of rehearsals already. Sounding great. So really excited um to do that. Wonderful. And supports? So we have Hellas for Heroes who are amazing. And my virtual also amazing. So it's just gonna be a really good night out for anybody that comes along.
1: Lovely stuff. Uh Colin, it's been an absolute delight talking records with you, mate. Thank you so much for giving up your time that to come and and a and records with me. Um that was really,
2: really enjoyed it. Thank you for having me.
1: Best of luck with the the, the record and uh, and I'll be seeing you in London for the show.
2: Excellent. Look forward to seeing you there, mate. All right. Take care. I'm going to press stop.
1: Wonderful stuff. Absolutely wonderful stuff. I, for some reason, had that stupid thing where you make preconceptions of, of of what you was going to get from uh, the song picks today. And and when I got the list sent over and I saw Pantera, I thought we're going rock heavy on this one. I'm sure we are. It was so delightful to get to get excited about Aha. Um, and Adamant, uh, and Naina Cherry, just wonderful, wonderful pop records. Um, uh, and, and I guess then Pop Sensibilities, you know, mi- mixed with that kind of rock and metal influence is kind of what's meant that the 100 Reasons have got so many great hooky tracks. Um, yeah, so it was lovely. Thanks, Colin. I um, really, really appreciate uh, the time uh, that, that you gave up to come and talk to me. Uh, on today's episode. I hope you lot enjoyed it. As I mentioned at the beginning, drop us a message, let us know what you think. We're on all the the social media platforms. Um, And yeah, if you want to support the podcast or you you really enjoyed that and you just like to support the podcast by buying us a coffee, click the show notes and uh, buy us a cup of coffee. That'd be lovely. Um, Other than that, just tell your mates, tell your mates about this podcast. Um, And yeah, you know what you can do now? You can go and enjoy the back catalogue because there's 470 episodes waiting for you. Go get stuck in. Subscribe. Um, Have a lovely day. I'll see you next time. Big love.